Yes, it's an exciting evening. There's not, there's nary a flake on the ground, and yet it's allegedly <laughs> December. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. It's just before the first day of winter, and the uh, jolly old man is about to come round with the prezzies, so it's time for us to grab our seats and enjoy festive holiday discussion. It's time for Matinee Minutia. Well, hello there, Mr. Smelly. How are you tonight? Well, I'm pretty good. Uh, Spuds Flats, uh, you know, we got hit with kind of a warm wave. It's pretty weird. But uh, like yesterday, it was freaking 65 degrees today it was a little bit lower but the sun was out and i'll tell you what uh seemed like spring in fact i walked over to my parents house and in the lawn were two days uh, not daisies two uh, dandelions that had opened up thinking that it was freaking spring of spring so how about that <laughs> oh goodness you know it was so warm out recently that on the way to the theater i saw old man boo radley in his tank top and he was practicing for the marathon <laughs> oh good lord <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah it's been unusually warm and you know yeah I'm okay with it. It's kind of nice. I, I'm about to celebrate my mid-decade birthday. And no, I'm not going to spell it out for you. Take a guess, people. Um, <laughs> but as those uh, as those pages are turning on the calendar, I'm realizing that all those things that our folks told us growing up and all the folks, you, and all those stories you used to hear people and exchanging at the pharmacies, waiting for their medicines, they're all true. And um, now that I'm having my mid-decade birthday coming up, I got hit with the changing weather. I've been working from home for a time now, and um, yeah, I haven't been in the outside world, but yet the changing wacky weather, it gave me my first cold in two years. So if I sound a little bit like Fran Drescher, it's for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a couple coworkers who had a couple of just common colds as it turned out to be so isn't that funny you know uh well i don't know as long as we're you know getting shots for things so new like covid you know maybe someday down the road we'll have a breakthrough and just have something for the common cold wouldn't that be weird you know uh i i hate to take it back to sci-fi but i think Somewhere in Star Trek, they once said that there was never such a thing because there is no such thing as a common cold. But yeah, uh, get your flu shots, people. Uh, you know, not just your vaccinations, but get your flu shot when it's that time of year. Because, I mean, I hate to think of how much worse I'd be right now if I didn't have it. Yeah, uh, yesterday, in fact, I took both my mother and father down and this was so wonderful. It was so convenient. I was so happy. <laughs> and I got them down and they got both their booster and their flu shot. 
Mm. right at the same time it was like boom 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 and i don't know maybe they got shingles i don't know what are the kind of shots (laughs) they got but they got all their shots hey you know i hear that that's as close as to a party as pickle hollow seen in a while (laughs) you know it really was it was very festive hey you know what speaking of a shot of excitement i hear that our senior showgirl is wearing something quite festive tonight Hey, hey guys, this is what I used to wear in my little shows. Uh, and uh, <laughs> isn't that funny? Uh, oh, he's calling yeah. your friends. <laughs> oh, hi. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of risque, but really the whole burlesque thing was like that. You know, anyways, we got eggnog that's, uh, well, there's a little bit of nog and mostly whiskey, okay? Anyways, it's <laughs> over at the concessions. So you boys come down anytime you want, okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> Bye. Oh, and I hear that that eggnog is going to be pretty good because her flask is empty, folks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Gertie, if you go ahead and take your place on the stage there, we'll introduce tonight's program. Yep, she's down there. Buddy is a curious but imaginative seven-year-old boy who was sent to spend the formative years of his youth with his relatives in Alabama. Suck is his older, distant cousin who, although simple-minded, seems to appreciate his company most. During the latter years of the Great Depression, the two spend their time finding ways to make the best of things, including finding joy in the holiday season despite what little they have. Grab yourself a shawl and a buggy. It's fruitcake weather. It's time for Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory, starring Geraldine Page. boys what do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen a pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming it's time for matinee minutia with your host dj and top well toppy it's a tv movie tonight yeah, and it's so kind of old and obscure. We don't even got a trailer for it, do we? No, we don't. I mean, this was out well before the days of the top-loading VCRs of my youth. Really? And uh, it was actually pretty early on in the time that networks made TV, well made movies for tv or tv movies um distinct from theatrical releases that they would uh play on tv but uh, uh, this was a made for tv um presentation um uh, and uh it wasn't the first by any means but 
um, it was the beginning of, and it certainly took over in the early seventies made for TV movies, Mm -hmm. uh, became kind of a thing, uh, through the whole seventies. They tailed off in the eighties. Uh, and then they just, it just didn't happen anymore after that. But this was in the early years of made-for-TV productions. Oh, well, I, I know that this came out uh, when uh, you were just not even a knee pan. So when would it have been that you first saw it? Well, I I, I didn't see it until maybe seven or eight Mm-hmm. years ago okay and i guess i just stumbled across the same damn copy of the movie that's still on youtube mm-hmm. i don't know how i found it or why or whatever but i did and um that was the first time i saw it uh, and it's a, it's a horrible copy mm-hmm. on on youtube but for heaven's sakes it's about all we got right. because i can't find it anywhere else well um we could talk a little bit more about the story in a bit but yeah it's a little surprising that something which was written originally as a short story by a well-renowned author truman capote it's it's a little surprising that something like this has sort of fallen through the cracks i mean it's probably a lot to do with the fact that it was a TV movie in the early days of network television making TV movies. So maybe it's uh, something to do with the rights of that. But um, we'll continue on about that. So, Toppy, there's something we like to do to put people's um, minds into the frame of that time period. Uh, give us a hint. Well... We're talking 1966 is when this uh, hit the airwaves. And uh, why don't you tell us what was going on in the world in 1966? Okay, in 1966, Robert C. Weaver became the first African-American cabinet member being appointed U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. The first of 608 performances of Sweet Charity opens at the Palace Theater in New York City, which I think may have involved our star Geraldine Page. Ooh. Hmm. The last Studebaker uh, automobile w- production facility was closed in 66. Uh. I think that uh, some of the buildings have been repurposed more recently as uh, upscale apartments. The acid tests. Now, this is something that was quite interesting to read about. In 66, a series of parties began being held by American novelist, essayist, and counterculture figure Ken Cassie, the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so maybe this will explain a little. And uh, prior to the criminalization of LSD, uh, that happened in 66. So he had all these parties to celebrate uh, psychedelic drugs, and yeah. uh, at the end, uh, they put a kibosh. They were such, uh, you know, fabulous parties, apparently. Now, also, uh, in D.C. in 66, General Motors President James M. Roche apologized to consumer advocate and future Green Party president Ralph Nader for the company's intimidation and harassment campaign against him. 
so well you know some dirty deals uh and listen well nowadays nobody apologizes to nobody so exactly that's kind of amazing that somebody apologized you know we just take them into court for defamation of character Uh, (laughs) um few more things because 66 was an important year it was the 60s the 38th academy awards ceremony was hosted by Bob Hope, legend and uh, USO host, uh, American Patriot. And all around general asshole. Oh, go ahead. I've heard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But still one of dad's favorites. Uh, Go figure. And it was held at Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. And uh, among the films celebrated was Robert Wise's The Sound of Music, a personal favorite. It jointly won and received the most awards and nominations. And then also with David Lean's Dr. Zhivago winning five awards and receiving ten. The former wins include Best Picture and Wise's Second Best Director Award. And then in New York City, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made his first public speech on the Vietnam War. A handful of other things here in 66. Former Massachusetts Attorney General Edward Brooke becomes the first African-American elected to the U.S. Senate since Reconstruction, meaning post-Civil War, folks. It was a long time in the making. That's half a century there. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, premiered on the CBS network in 66. Also, How the Grinch Stole Christmas was shown for the first time, also on CBS. And then lastly, but certainly most least, a legend in the making of both Mr. Smelly's and my generation, New York television station WPIX broadcasted the Yule Log for the first time. By the way, the Yule Log was just, I don't know, I, it was a looped clip of logs in a fireplace burning, and they would play Christmas standards over it. And that, or did they? Was or maybe it was just the sound of the wood cracking. I'm not um, sure. They they had that in the background, but it was standards and covers and whatnot of those. But um, that ran for many a year until the 90s, I do believe. They <laughs> they ended it before the millennium, and then of course there was there was enough fan support that. You could probably find many versions of it on streaming services. Oh, you you can find many of uh, many of them on YouTube. I don't know if they were the first to do it or what, but um, at any rate, I will say. By the way, going back to the Great Pumpkin and How the Grinch Stole Christmas in '66, this guy right here was there uh-huh. <laughs> in my pajamas, and I watched him. Uh, for the first time. So how about that? Oh, I bet you there was some hot cocoa going on. Both of them. They weren't both on the same night, but, 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 but I saw them and, uh, yeah. And then I saw them every year after. <laughs> <sighs> so Toppy, um, in 66, give us an idea of some of the talent that it was entering the world, the celebrities that were born in 66. All right, you ever hear Patrick Dempsey? Sure do. I haven't. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He was in Enchanted, and he was in... There was a a, a show about doctors that he's been in. I'm thinking it's Grey's Anatomy. Oh, Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And he was was a race car driver? What what the hell was he? 
He was many things, including a race car driver. All right. Uh, also born that year was Jackson Galaxy. <laughs> he's host of a show on, I want to say Animal Planet called My Oh, cat. he's still today. People know him. Yes. He's, he's a cat behaviorist, folks. His show is called My Cat from Hell. All right. Also born that year, Janet Jackson. We all know her singer. Uh, centipede, centipede. And uh, Sandra Lee, a television chef and author. Also Academy Award winner, Halle Berry, who I hear is in a movie out right now that's really getting super rave reviews for her performance have no idea what it is. Anyways, Halle Berry. Uh, oh, oh, Adam Sandler uh, was born that year, if you can believe it. And uh, uh, we know him. He's a, a comedian on SNL and many movies. Uh, he's a screenwriter. He, I guess he is kind of something of a musician and a film producer, Adam Sandler. There you go. This uh, program we're discussing tonight, A Christmas Memory. It was a television movie and, uh, you know, other things that were on TV at that time, things that were competing for your attention. Well, it was the early days of TV movies, so it's not surprising to know that A Christmas Memory actually aired quite late uh, on ABC, and it was in the uh, about the 10 o'clock hour or so. Wow. The other shows that were on on the other networks, including CBS and NBC, were uh, also some of dear old dad's favorites. The Danny Kay Show. You know, that guy that was in Singing in the Rain. Uh, it was a variety show. It was an hour-long program. Ran for four seasons. That was on CBS. Uh, that night uh, another actor who was apparently just an incredible a-hole anyway <laughs> yeah uh i never uh that that's some i guess probably i mean if it really aired at 10 p.m i certainly never saw it i was way too young to stay up that late so i never saw the danny k show mm, and then somebody else who might have been known as an a-hole uh was on nbc so you know competing for each other's uh time slots was the dean martin show and it was mm. an hour-long variety program hosted by the actor of the same name and that one ran for nine seasons yeah I can't believe it ran that long. It was super popular, probably the first five, six, seven years, and it trickled off at the end. But uh, yeah, Dean Martin. Oh, at the time, he he was the highest paid guy in television uh, for that Variety Hour. He he owned it, man. I just can't imagine the type of lifestyle you lead where you can afford to stay up at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday just to see Dean Martin or Danny Kay. Because, I mean, unless you're um, driving a bus in the middle of the night in New York City, you got to be at work in the morning. (laughs) Well, I don't know. DJ, I don't know. A lot of people stay up, you know, people stayed up to see the 
the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson at 1130. I don't mm. know. But I'll tell you what, right now, today, I'm in bed way before 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Well, of course, now we have DVRs and, you know, you don't have to worry about the reality of live TV. You could rewind it and catch it again. Yeah. You know what? That's why it's great living today. <laughs> it's stuff on demand. Uh, and you know what? <clears throat> I'm to I'm all about it. Uh, let me just welcome the folks that have uh, been nice enough uh, to join us in the chat room. Because we do this live. If you're listening to the podcast, this is live on a Friday night. And that's when we do it, the first and third Friday night of every month. We're live, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We got a chat room. We stream. We're on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. And people come into the chat room. Tonight, we've got Aunt Tudor. We've got Janet from another planet. We've got Myron Gertz. And we've got our old pal, Tommy Hashbrones. So thank you all for joining us. Mm, and I have it on good authority that in the ethers, Hubby Billy is listening somewhere out there. Ooh, hi, Billy. Let's give a little salute to everyone. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, let's talk about the director, uh, Deej. Mm -hmm. Uh, of of uh, Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. His name's Frank Perry, uh, born in New York City. Uh, Christmas Memory was only his third project. His first film was David and Lisa from 1962. This was a black and white movie. And I want to know, chat room, do you guys know about David and Lisa the movie. DJ, have you ever heard of it? I have not. Okay, this was something that for whatever reason we were shown <clears throat> in junior high school. Uh, it was a thing. It was, I don't know how to describe David and Lisa, except that it was sort of like a documentary, but it was fiction. It was shot on a, a, a very modest budget, but it received all of these critical accolades. I mean, it was super well, like, it was like everyone said, oh, David and Lisa, what a movie. And it actually was kind of a commercial hit. And that was by Frank Perry. But I saw, I saw David and Lisa in junior high school and um eh, it follows a bunch of people who are in a oh, i don't know how to say it what's the politically correct word now flop house <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, well, no. that's, that's my uh, sister's house. I'm sorry. I'm going to a family party tomorrow. No, <laughs> a, a house for people who are not mentally well. Okay. A group home, maybe? Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. They were looked after. And uh, anyways, it's strange. Mm. Uh, but apparently this cemented Frank Perry's early career uh and and it's still it's still thought of as a breakthrough 
movie of some sort. So David and Lisa, if you can ever see it, it's worth seeing. It's very different. Uh, anyways, uh, because he shot David and Lisa on this miracle small budget, he kind of acquired a reputation uh, as a very economical filmmaker. And in fact, his motto was cut, print, edit, distribute. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, I mean, you know, like one take, you know, he was one take Charlie. Uh, anyways, over the next five years, he continued to direct and uh, he would have seven programs to his name. In 68, uh, Frank Perry would work with Burt Lancaster in The Swimmer. That was a phenomenal success in 69 he would work with barbara hershey and richard thomas on last summer uh, but now we're gonna okay now we're gonna take a turn folks in 1981 frank perry directed mommy dearest <laughs> uh, which i don't know is just sort of a uh you know what i i don't know what everybody thinks about it but it's certainly uh you know, I mean, it's certainly made its mark uh, on, on film history. Uh, in 1987, uh, Frank Perry directed Hello Again with Shelley Long. Oh, that's a which, personal favorite. Sure. So, you know, we're back down to earth with that one. Uh, anyways, uh, Perry died in, in 95. Uh, and But he had a total of 21 directorial credits. Uh, uh uh, over his life so that's pretty good but uh yeah christmas memory was one of his uh that was his third uh third movie there you go uh i think the other big guy we got to talk about mm -hmm. deej is is who uh the source material oh so why don't you talk about that oh righty so uh the short story that a christmas memory is based upon was written by author truman capote now this isn't the first time we've talked about mr capote uh he was actually in another film we discussed uh, i think it was last year murder by death which was only one of a couple of his appearances in front of the camera uh well uh, yeah, uh, theatrically, mm -hmm. he was on a. I mean, he he was a popular talk show guest. Mm -hmm. We should say that he's on countless talk shows over the years. Uh, particularly, I, I can think of Dick Cavett. Um, but he he was on the Tonight Show many times. He was kind of a, like a character, and and and. Uh, he, he was weird and unusual and and just just his presence and his voice was enough to captivate people and say wow who the hell is this guy what's he all about so he is an american novelist also a screenwriter playwright and actor as we mentioned now it was based the uh, christmas memory story was based upon his childhood experiences growing up in the south he was the childhood neighbor of author 
Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Several of his short stories, novels, and plays have been praised in literary classics, including the novella Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, and I just love the movie that came out of that novella. Oh, that that is a uh, a very um, quintessential slice of Audrey Hepburn's career, and it's a Absolutely. wonderful film. Um, although I, I, by today's standards, I, I'm a little disappointed that the ending just ends but that's how some people live but dj the kitty <laughs> saves them all the kitty the kitty changes everything at the end mm. so let's just not let james croydon be in the remake right <laughs> and the true crime novel by mr capote in cold blood which came out in 66 the year of christmas memory he uh, and it was labeled a nonfiction novel. Uh, Capote's works have been adapted into more than twenty films and television dramas, and he narrated a Christmas memory. Mm. Yes, in his lifetime, he only appeared in front of the camera for films uh, in *Murder by Death* in '76 with Eileen Brennan and Peter Falk. And the others were primarily in television, as Toppy mentioned. Now, In Cold Blood in 66 was considered the height of his career. Capote inspired the likes of Andy Warhol and many others in New York City limelight. He was a regular at Studio 54, the infamous New York City dance club drugged in. And <laughs> I just I love that it's dance club slash drugged in. It kind of was. I mean, wasn't Carrie Fisher serving coffee then? Uh, Truman was gay and he maintained separate residences with his longtime partner, Jack. So we are at about the halfway point in our show. So we are going to trot on down to the concession stand where Miss Gertie hey. has emptied her flask into oh, my the God, holiday you guys dog. finally came down. I have no idea what you said in the last half hour. <laughs> I've just been chilling down here with the eggnog. Mm. And the thing that I put in. <laughs> well, you know, okay. in in light of uh, tonight's program being a tale of Southern adventures, I'll have yeah. some Southern comfort in my eggnog, Miss Gertie. You better believe it, DJ Honey Bunny. <laughs> I'm going to go get that right now. Did you have a clip or something to play? I do. So this is a uh, narrated tale of a Christmas memory as read by Mr. Truman Capote. Uh, this is a clip from A Christmas Memory. It takes place at the very end. And uh, probably uh, the scene that nailed... Uh, uh, Geraldine Page getting the Emmy. So here, there you go. Here we go. Oh my, how foolish I am. You know what I always thought? I 
always thought our body had to be sick and dying before they saw the Lord. I imagined that when he came, it would be like looking at a Baptist window. Pretty as colored glass with the sun pouring through. Such a shine you wouldn't know it was getting dark. Comfort to me. Shine. Take away all the spooky feeling. <laughs> but I wager it didn't like that. I wager it never happened. I wager at the very end, a body realizes that the Lord has already shown himself. The things as they are. Just what they have always seen was seeing him. Yeah. As for me, I could leave the world with today in my eyes. This is our last Christmas together. Life separates us. Those who know best decide that I belong in a military school. And so follows a miserable succession of bugle-blowing prisons, grim, reveille-ridden summer camps. I have a new home, too, but it doesn't count. Home is where my friend is, and there I never go. And there she remains, puttering around the kitchen, alone with Queenie, then alone. Buddy, dear... She writes in her wild, hard-to-read script. Yesterday, Jim Macy's horse kicked Queenie bad. Be thankful she didn't feel much. I wrapped her in a fine linen sheet and rode her in the buggy down to Simpson's pasture, where she can be with all her bones. For a few Novembers, she continues to bake her fruitcake single-handed. Not as many, but some. And, of course, she always sends me... The best of the batch. Also, in every letter, she encloses a dime wadded in toilet paper. See a picture show and write me the story. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Tommy, Tommy in, the, in the chat room is languishing over the tears that he shed over this production. It never fails to bring tears to my eyes. I've seen it a million times. It never fails. Uh, and uh, Tommy Hashburn's, of course, when Queenie the dog gets clocked by a, uh, a horse that was the end for him that was the Ooh. end for him <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite as bad as old yeller but certainly that same direction sure so uh it is very bittersweet this this story it's very bittersweet and i'm curious dj because of a couple things you've said to me and a couple things Tommy Hashbrowns has said. Do you, do you think it's too bittersweet? Too bitter? Too, is it too sad? 
uh, to qualify as like something you want to see at Christmas time? Well, you know, I would say that this is a not an acquired taste, but it is something that you might not watch every Christmas. Uh, you know, depending on how many people are under your roof normally. I mean, you might choose to watch this by yourself because maybe you don't want the rest of your friends or family to see that you like a good cry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I, I am in a unique position because, um, as I might have mentioned in the past, uh, one of my best and closest friends in childhood was an older neighbor that I had when oh, I was about yes. seven years old. Yes. And, um, you know, my folks moved to be closer to where my mom worked. And essentially, this lady ended up being my mother's boss's mom. Anyways, um, at about seven years old, my closest friend in the whole world, because my siblings were all finishing school and moving away, was the 80-some-year-old lady across the way who was in a wheelchair. And I used to go visit her. And uh, the only time that she would dismiss me and, t and tell me I needed it, it was time for me to go home was when her stories came on. <laughs> ah, her stories, which were soap operas. Mm -hmm. That was the word they used uh, at that time. My, my stories are on. I got to see my stories. That's so nice. Um, you've mentioned that so many times, and that's why I know that's a, a major memory for you, mm -hmm. a, a connecting point. Yeah, and uh, I, I mentioned to Toppy behind the curtain here before we uh, began the show that... I had a time when I had lost touch with the older lady across the way because my family had moved again. And uh, it was some years later that I was visiting a hospital for a very different reason. And uh, it was to welcome into the world uh, my latest nephew. And little did I know in this little country hospital down the hall was my old lady neighbor, my old neighbor you know, the older lady, and she was there for a very different reason. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Huh. And uh, sometimes we just cross paths in the night or at the airport, as it might be. And um, that was our moment to reconnect. And uh, that was the last time I got to see her. Yeah. Myron Gertz just said in the chat room, always good for children to have older friends. And I, I do wish, I think that's great when that happens. And I wish, I wish in families that it could happen as much as it can. Do you know that? I know, uh, I, I, I'm just going to say, uh -huh. I know for myself, um, I maintained a, a good lasting relationship with my grandmother who lived until 96 so she was with me for a long time and uh dearly miss her dearly miss her and um i i just wish everyone could know their grandparents and great-grandparents the way i was able to because it's it's I can't express how wonderful it was to have that 
And I know a lot of times, you know, people don't because families are crazy and people die and it just doesn't happen. But I was really lucky. Remind me to share another Christmas memory, and uh, I will be happy to do so. There's plenty of them to go around. Toppy, could you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the talent that was involved with the Christmas memory? Miss Geraldine Page. Yeah, I, it's really the only person we have any information about uh, because it was it was a cast of few, and uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of information. In this this ver- this version of the story was also under an hour long, so you could very easily imagine this being a you know a stage play with limited sets. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Chris, the Christmas story by Trimco has been read and played on American stages ever since I don't know the sixties. And it's something that reoccurs. It's just a thing. Uh, people, uh, uh, actor troops do a reading of this story. Anyways, let's talk about Geraldine Page. Goodness, uh, she won the Emmy Award for doing this TV movie. Uh, and uh, later on, she would win the Academy Award for doing A Trip to Bountiful many years later. Uh, so she celebrated on stage and, and screen. Her career spanned four decades. Uh, uh, she's celebrated, like I said, with the Academy Award, a British Academy Film Award, two Primetime Emmy Awards, two Golden Globes Awards, four nominations. Damn it, she never won. Four nominations for the Tony Award. (laughs) Uh, She uh, appeared in Christmas Memory, and then the next damn year, and I didn't know this until this year, she appeared in another made-for-TV production in 68 because the first one was so memorable and popular and it was a Truman Capote short story called The Thanksgiving Visitor which I didn't even know about until this year and she won an Emmy for that uh, so two two Emmys in two years uh, let's see she also had a role in Francis Ford Coppola's You're a Big Boy Now that was in 1966 with Elizabeth Hartman and Rip Torn. DJ Rip Torn was her husband? He was. I mean, Rip, uh, Rip, yeah, Rip Torn. They were married. Is that right? Yes. And in more recent years, some of you would recognize Mr. Rip Torn as being the boss guy in the Men in Black films. Okay. That's something I didn't know until tonight. So, anyways. Uh, she appeared in Three Sisters in 67 with Shelley Winters. She starred in uh, another uh, six films in the next five years, including Whatever Happened to Aunt Alice in 69 with uh, Ruth Gordon. That was another one of those, you know, uh, what's the one with uh, Betty Davis? Whatever happened to baby, whatever the hell. Oh, baby Jane. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, spawned from that. Uh, and trip to Marvel. Also, I would uh, also mention her incredible performance in a Woody Allen movie called Interiors. And it was one of his few movies that absolutely was not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but she was in Interiors and she whew, uh, blew it out of the, the wall. If you've ever seen it, you can't forget her performance in Interiors. So I always want to joke about Geraldine Page because she's of the method acting school. <laughs> And I swear to God, it, I don't care what you see her in. She puts her whole hand in her mouth. Did you know that, DJ? No. Uh, what I mean by what I mean by that is, she, I don't know. I mean, it's just I see it over and over again in what she does. Is she plays with her fingers at her mouth, and she kind of puts her fingers in her mouth in a lot of scenes. And the next thing, and I joke that the next thing you know, she swallowed her hand. But it's, <laughs> but that's just a joke. But she, I swear to God, she's got a finger fixation in everything she does. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And, and she even did it in uh, in tonight's movie. Uh, yeah. And she certainly did it. She really did it in Trip to Bonifal. Her hand, whole hand was in her mouth for the whole movie. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so- uh, DJ, you know what I want you to talk about? Mm-hmm. Is you took the time to see a different version of this story. I did. And uh, it was many years later, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was released to theaters or it was made for TV, but it, it starred Patty Duke Austin, mm-hmm. and uh, you saw it, and I'd love to know what you thought of it. Like, what was it like? Sure. So I recently learned about a more recent version of Christmas Memory that was done, and this was ironically done in the uh, mid to late 90s so i'm surprised that i missed it because as you mentioned it starred miss patty duke which is one of my favorites of all time and uh, i think that maybe the reason i missed this is because i was freshly out of school and exploring life so you know as things do they passed me by but uh, a Christmas memory that was made in 1997 not only starred Pipe, uh, Patty Duke, but also Piper Laurie. And uh, some of you may know her from, oh, let's see here. Uh, she was in Frasier. She was also in Touched by an Angel diagnosis murder a whole bunch of things uh 
Wasn't she in Carrie? That she was the mother in Carrie. She was yes, and in Twin Peaks. So, uh, so Piper Laurie was in a Christmas memory in '97 with Patty Duke, and this was a thoroughly enjoyable film. Now, um, well, well, can I ask? Do you uh do you know? Was it this for theaters or was it made for TV? Or let's see. I'm checking those credentials presently. Let's see production it could have been like a hallmark hall of fame it actually says that it was hallmark and i know that (laughs) so i know that hallmark didn't actually become a dedicated broadcast channel until more recently so it it was made for for television right so it might have been a sunday movie on nbc perhaps but the the biggest thing about it is that because this was a film with a bigger budget because you know uh several decades have since passed with the money that they were given by the network to make this program they were able to put patty duke on it and uh laurie piper and you know they actually gave it or piper laurie sorry uh gave it some more time too whereas a christmas memory from 66 was just under an hour very short yes uh while that was a wonderful story i sometimes have a hard time getting attached to characters and relating if they don't have enough time on screen so uh i i felt comfortable with the 97 remake if you will. And I I don't like to think of it as a remake. I like to think of it as a retelling because Mm -hmm. it has a bigger budget and it has a longer, you know, screen time. But, uh, so can can I assume Patty Duke plays the role of Geraldine page? Yeah. She plays the character of Sook. Sook. Yeah. And, uh, she was probably inspired by, but certainly she brought her own to the character. Did she swallow her own hand too? <laughs> no, but uh, okay. it it was thoroughly enjoyable. As I as I said, um, I don't really consider it a remake. And if you're somebody who doesn't enjoy remakes, I would say that um, if you give a Christmas memory from '97 a chance, you'll actually be pleasantly surprised. Now. I'm also the person that enjoyed the 90s remake of a, of Little Women with Winona Ryder, but that's mostly because Mary Wicks was in it, which we talked about in our last program. <laughs> right, right. I, I liked that, too. I, I had no problem with that. I, I thought it was wonderful. But uh, the 97 A Christmas Memory, since it has more screen time for the characters, they're able to explore a little bit more of the undertones where as in the uh the narrated telling by truman capote he explains at the end that he's later on sent to military school that's introduced a little bit more than halfway through the 97 version because Hmm. now you're going to have time for him to um you know um anticipate 
and for him to dread the end of the holidays and so so are you saying that the move the move this version mm-hmm. follows him and shows him in military school it doesn't get quite that far but sook does get to say goodbye to him whereas of course the original which is based on the uh short story by truman capote suggests that they were separated yeah but huh. um it, 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 it's it's worthwhile because they make use of that extra time to introduce more of the characters in that uh, Sook and Buddy share a household with other family members, and it's not quite explained in the '66 version. What? That... <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it's, not. it's very weird. It's... Who are those two old ladies that are such prudes? Mm-hmm. It's so... I don't know who they are, but they all live in the same house, anyway. <laughs> they do, and um, you know, before we go on to our related recommendations, our snack tray, because we are getting close to the top of the hour. Uh, I will just say this, that the 97 version uh, explains that Sook and Buddy, or rather maybe suggests, Sook and Buddy may actually be more closely related than the original story suggests, where he's told that she's just a distant relative or a cousin. So I, I seem to believe that just because in plain spoken terms, Sook is a simple-minded older person that it's not it's not uh any kind of degenerative cognitive thing Mm -hmm. she's just well i don't know whatever the way to put it but simple i yeah i i think that in that time frame uh since we are talking about the depression somebody finishing high school and getting a diploma wasn't as common a thing your your family didn't finish school and go off to college some people stopped being in school because the family couldn't afford it anymore my father who you know uh his childhood was in the 50s. He ended up quitting school because his family was going through a divorce and he had at least five brothers and sisters. So he quit going to school so that he could keep food on the table. Yikes. Yeah. So, but yes, uh, they, they, they explore that in the 97 version. And there's a, a small family business as well that helps keep them afloat during the depression but yeah sook is just a a simple-minded person which in the 97 version it's suggested that maybe she's more maybe she's actually his aunt and they don't want him to think that they're more closely related because the the uh, the other members of the family are a little concerned that they spend too much time together yeah another question for you in in the version that we're talking about tonight mm-hmm. with Geraldine Page. Uh, the narrator is so important, it, in particular because it's Truman Capote himself. Mm-hmm. But the narration is a huge part of the story. Now, did this version that you saw, was that big on the narration? Well, because they couldn't incorporate Truman Capote, they chose not to include that element until the very, very end because they had to let the characters speak for themselves. Well, uh, 
but they didn't use Truman Capote. No, they couldn't. So no. uh, I don't, okay. I'm not familiar with the, who's credited as doing the narration, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just simply the director. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. And Tommy Hashbrown's in the chat room really wants to know in the 1997 version, did Queenie get the hoof? <laughs> By that damn horse. Well, and it croak. <laughs> well, they beat the same fate. They, they they did for the most part uh, attempt just like any good theater production. They recreated the scenes that the story was based upon. So in the end, they were laying on the hillside and they were flying their kites. And, you know, they, they did have to explain that the boy went off to school because he he actually got walked to the bus by Patty Duke in the 97 version. So, uh, you know, she, she did eventually meet her demise, but they, they didn't do it on camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Queenie, Queen, of course, is the dog. That, that uh, anyways, uh, another question. Um, Oh, no, no, I've forgotten what that question is. About contributing to delinquency of minors? I mean... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yes. I don't know how you intuited that, DJ, but the one awkward, weird scene in the production we're talking about tonight, and I don't know how they handled it in the remake with Patty Duke, but the one scene where Sook sort of says, buddy, have you ever had whiskey? (laughs) And then they taste whiskey. And it remains, every time that I see it, slightly awkward to me. Like, ew, should we be seeing this? It's, (laughs) It's never been a comfortable scene. It's always a little awkward every damn time mm-hmm. i see it and folks if you don't know what i'm talking about there's a certain point they've got the whiskey because they got it f- to make the fruit cakes and you've got to soak the fruit cakes with the booze mm-hmm. right and they've got a little bit left and so buddy says to buddy who's like you know just this little kid have you ever had whiskey and she pours herself and buddy a glass of whiskey and they drink it and they kind of get a little drunk and then they share it with a dog (laughs) (laughs) they do they do share it with buddy the dog Uh, queenie queenie the dog they share anyways it's never it's never gone down comfortably for me well how about you you know i I, this is where i like to um acknowledge the the suggestion that perhaps Sook is simple and that she doesn't, it doesn't occur to her that this is, this is alcohol, you know, that the, that the minor that's in her care is now getting drunk. And of course, um, 
inevitably. She wouldn't even know because mm-hmm. she doesn't know drunk from Shinola. Right. I mean, it, it's mentioned in passing in the story, in the 66 version even, that Sook had never even been to a movie. She gives Buddy uh, a dime, I think, for him to go to the pictures, as she called it. And she tells him to tell her afterwards what the show was about. And Truman Capote, in narrating the story, mentions that she had never been to a film. And um, they even mentioned something, and it, it, it's timely, too, because of the time period, the 30s, the Depression, that they had only ever once had their photograph taken together, and it was just by circumstance at the time. But yeah. anyways, I think that that just goes along with the idea that that um, there's not necessarily anything wrong with Sook in terms of her mental health. She's just simple-minded, and it didn't occur to her that she shouldn't be doing this. She shouldn't be sharing liquor with a child. Yeah, um, I think what I'm, I'm I'm thinking of, and it may have been the age. This is uh, the you know '66. This was done. Uh, I'd like to think that 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 that. We could have done the scene and not made it weird. Because you know? <laughs> Marvin Gertz in the in the chat room says that scene does have a weird vibe, and it does. Right, and I I think though that it also it serves a purpose because that suggests why the rest of the family might be concerned that the boy and Sook are spending quote unquote too much time together. Yeah. So they, they inevitably, you know, uh, walk in on them and they shame her, of course. Yeah. And I will say that the next scene is devastating because Sook is laying in bed, completely depressed and defeated. And it's, one of the darkest points of the production where she she just you know for just an instant she just feels like it feels like she's giving up and like feels like she's worthless or not anyways it's really hard it's a hard scene it's a hard scene to watch it is we'll go on to our snack train just one moment here so the last thing i'll say about the 97 version that slightly redeems itself in terms of retelling the story in the 66 version although it's during prohibition as well because during the depression people could not buy alcohol legally and certainly even you know uh until the 90s when i was but a kid you still have areas of the country where you know you couldn't buy on certain days of the week or time of the day but um in the 66 version there was only one place that they could go to buy illegal drink and that was to a native americans flop house yes 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 and so in the 97 version they do their best to redeem that oh that's interesting yeah but how did they they, how did they do it they do that by giving more screen time to the um the natives 
uh, business, the 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 um, the roadhouse, as it were, uh-huh. where where Mister Ha Ha does his business. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, he's not only a a bootlegger, but he's also uh, part of the community because he's a businessman. He has a place that serves drink and food, and there's dancing. So, you know, uh, he's making a living on something other than just bootlegging. Yeah. So that's 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 the part of redemption in that version. But if you want to see the '97 version of yeah. A Christmas Memory with Patty Duke, it's available on Hallmark Movies now. You could probably also buy it on disc. But some of these services have a nifty little feature where they let you try it for a week, and if you cancel, you, you could get it free. <laughs> Ah, there you go. You just got to remember to cancel, right? Right. And I'm very fond of my little reminder. So (laughs) post-it notes, folks. No. All right. Okay. Well, I really love this little movie. I've loved it ever since I found it, which wasn't all that long ago, but I watch it annually at Christmas time. And it never fails to move me to no end. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, why don't we talk about what this reminds us of? DJ, mm-hmm. uh, well, if, if people liked this movie... Mm-hmm. Um, what would you recommend them to watch? All right. So this is our snack tray, what you've got left over. And uh, if you enjoyed A Christmas Memory of 66 or 97, if you catch it, something else that you might enjoy. I'll go first here. My thoughts on this are, uh, Christmas of more specifically, uh, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Now, to be a little bit different though I really like certain remakes of things and in 77 maybe the year I was no longer just a twinkle uh, (laughs) there became a version of this starring Marlo Thomas so uh, of course you know as we call it a gender swap in the lead uh, is Marlo Thomas from That Girl in a remake of It's a Wonderful Life called It Happened One Christmas in color Um, (laughs) not available certainly in color at that time 77 yeah so it's not available online sadly that kind of thing changes as a flavor of the month um but so i have to offer you a runner-up if you want to find oh somebody. but before you say uh-huh. before you say i really do i i you know because there i was uh watching it when it aired in 1977 and uh, i loved it i i loved it and i I barely knew because, believe it or not, back then, It's a Wonderful Life kind of wasn't a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that was seen year after year after year, all the time, all the time, all the time. And I almost, I almost think I saw this Marlo Thomas version called It Happened One Night, One Christmas. I th- I damn well think I saw it before I saw It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, I think. Mm, so my runner-up, since you can't probably find this unless you get a copy on disc, and, you know, none of us have physical media these days. Well, clearly you haven't been to my house. Uh, <laughs> no. You got the physical media. I mean, you know, the Library of Congress is going to be coming to our door soon. Um, so uh, the other year, we had a Christmas special with Mr. Matt Burling came on board, and we discussed a uh, British film that was done in 2007 starring, I want to say, this is I think it's DC um, actress, Hayley Atwell who played uh, Agent Carter I think. Um, okay. Vanessa Redgrave and Joss Eklund. And this is a film called How About You? It's a Mm. story of a young woman who goes to help her sister out who runs a uh, assisted living place for seniors and uh, just based on the cast it was nothing but fun oh yes not to mention Imelda Staunton and Brenda Fricker playing uh, feuding sisters and uh, the the sourpusses have to learn to play nice for the holidays (laughs) (laughs) that sounds nice Mm -hmm. Uh, so my recommendation is uh, The Homecoming a Christmas story also made for television in fact it was the pilot movie for the long-running TV series The Waltons uh, by Earl Hamner. And it takes place in the same era as Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. Uh, it's got a lot of the same feels. But a lot of the same feels. And if you liked A Christmas Memory, you're going to like the homecoming of Christmas stories. So that's my recommendation. Hmm. And I'm not sure if you're aware, Toppy, but in more recent years, uh, there was an attempt to uh, do a remake uh, or um, a continuation of the Waltons on television. It was done on the CW, and they even had some cameos by Richard Thomas. And I th- Are you freaking kidding me? No. I have never heard of this. Yeah, DJ. Hubbub recently brought this to my attention. In fact, they started with um, that uh, Christmas tale that you were just telling me about that was originally what, a movie. Uh, I'm flabbergasted. What did they call this thing? I think it was just the Waltons. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's un- Honest to God, DJ, uh, I, I, you've lost your mind, or I'm, I've lost my mind. I don't know which, but I did not know this, and I did not know it happened. And <laughs> it really shocks me that this happened. Oh, you know what? What, what year? What, what, when would this have happened? It what actually year? looks like it came out this year. I'm I'm searching my, oh. my favorite service JustWatch.com, no paid endorsement. Oh my God, somebody, uh, Tommy Hashbrowns, I think. What the hell? I did not know this. Let's see. Oh yeah, I was just going to. So apparently it's quite recent. So breaking news. And if you go to JustWatch.com, it should tell you where you could find it. Um, it looks like there are some services where it may be free, oh. but yeah, it's starting off came, with, they the, started out with the homecoming story. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll be goddamned. <laughs> I'll be goddamned. Fact, Tommy Hash Browns. God damn it. That's crazy. That is crazy. 
Let's see. So I'm actually just going to do a, a live copy and paste into our chat room for the uh, Christmas episode I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do next, right? Or no? Uh, well, no, this was from... Oh, so when we talked about How About You, our Christmas episode was actually uh, year-to-date last year. <laughs> so, all right. So, all right. So, uh, as uh, we may have mentioned, the Marionette Theater is a um, a celebrated venue of many a splendored thing, including the days wow. of vaudeville, and we've even had magic acts here. In fact, yeah. a magician left a bag of coins. Toppy, he could sure you did. grab that bag for me? Okay, here you go. Here's the coin. Ooh, we're going to find out what's coming up next. Okay, will you hand that to me, sir? There you go. Okay, so the next time we get together, it's going to be just after the holidays. So December is a long month, and we're going to be getting together just after the new year. This is going to be Friday, January 7th. Ooh, that feels like a horribly long time from now, but okay. And it's the first time you're going to hear me say this, 2022. <laughs> let's pray everyone let's pray so friday january 7th at 9 p.m eastern next time on matinee minutia an early 90s comedy starring everyone's favorite 80s night court lawyer and the famous manager of a neighborhood boston bar Mark and Jesse are upwardly mobile newlyweds whose love nest is overrun by loads of uninvited guests, turning the house upside down and nearly destroy it. Next time, Madhouse! Madhouse! With, with John Larroquette and Kirstie Alley! Alright, have not seen it. Looking forward. Hey now, Mr. Smelly, could you look over the balcony and tell us who was in the chat room this evening? I'd be pleased to once again. Aunt Tudor joined us, Maren Gertz, Tommy Hash Browns, and uh, briefly, I think there were other people who may still be uh, just not connected or we don't see, but RT Cruiser is here. Uh, wasn't there somebody else? Um, I think Lady Janet. Lady Janet was here. Anyways, it's always so fun to have folks here while we're doing this live. So thank you for joining us. Happy holidays, folks. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the ways of the old days of radio, Tommy, would you say good night, Gracie? Ah. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, enter Discord for our chat room. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? 
email us at matinemanusha at gmail.com. This has been an Alibug production. Chubb's Gone Wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The Smellcast by Tommy Smelling. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.